Good morning, everybody. Just a quick reminder, I um, don't know if Tanner mentioned it in the announcements. So uh, those, of our, those of you that are on the council, we have a short meeting after the late service, so please don't forget that. Um, <clears throat> it is anticipated it's short enough that we're not serving lunch, so it, it shouldn't be bad. <clears throat> Let's turn again to Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, specifically the instructions Jesus gave us on prayer, modeling prayer, the right kind of praying, the right spirit in it. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And... It's basically divided in half. The things he tells us to pray for. The first half is made up of three petitions. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Then he moves to petitions for ourselves in our daily lives. We've, we're ready to look at the um, second and third petitions of these first three. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I want to be, I want to be clear, as clear as I can be uh, today. I, I mean this. Um, I don't want to descend into um, pure national politics. Um, But I think, especially given um, if you just look at the percentages um, of voting in our community, Eight out of ten people are disheartened to some degree today. Not just because a person or a person won or a person lost, not because of a party at all. The real issues are spiritual and moral. What are the directions that people have advertised they're going to they want to take the country? That's what troubles me. Um, and, and frankly, I think if it's, if it's purely um, party, you're off. Um, I'm here to confess that um, through the years, uh, I don't think I've ever voted straight party. I try to discern who's a numbskull and who is only partly numbskull. Okay? Unfortunately, the choices are never between an apostle and a Barabbas. They never are. Because we live in a fallen world, we end up, as Christians, having to deal with what's, what's the best or what's, what will do the least damage. Um, that's the situation that we're in. <clears throat> But when it seems that those who promise 
a lot of things that are diametrically opposed to the Scripture, to Christianity, and to the spiritual religious uh, foundation of our very culture, um, it's, it grieves us and should. But how do we deal with that? I think that it, this petition, Thy will be done, Thy kingdom come, couldn't hit at a better time as we look at this. <clears throat> so, we have a new clock back there, and it, it's nice and bright, so, but don't turn around and look. I don't want you to know where it is. We may dim it. Um, thy kingdom come. What in the world does that mean? The language is come in. Thy kingdom come in. It's almost like it be your kingdom be instituted. Your kingdom be set up. In a sense that doesn't seem to make sense. His kingdom's already. He, he already has a kingdom. God has a kingdom. He's been ruling for quite some time. There's nothing here about initiating some kingdom. Um, it's already here. He already reigns now. Presently, there's an emphasis on the internal, invisible sense of God's kingdom. What do I mean? Let me quote a few scriptures here. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight. They would be an army. They would keep me from being crucified. But he said, this, my kingdom is not of this world. He also said, <clears throat> the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Meaning, by looking for it, you can't see it in a physical way. And he said, the kingdom of God is within you. Paul told the Corinthians who um, <clears throat> were dealing with issues like, should we eat food offered to idols that's sold in the marketplace? And issues like that. He said, the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's internal. Yes, it shows on our face and should show in our ethical lives we live. has to. But it's internal. Right now then, the kingdom of God that we want to come in, I think, is the individual rule of Jesus Christ on the throne of every heart. That is intended by this prayer. Meaning that God's kingdom would advance in the sense of people being converted, people being saved, people giving their entire throne room of their heart over to Jesus' rule. That is the immediate meaning of, Lord, thy kingdom come. Conquer individual hearts. 
bring people to see that they are on a false chase of trying to direct their own lives and take from you, steal from you, what is yours, which is me. He is not only my king, he's my father in heaven. He's my creator. I don't have a right to myself. The more we think about it, it's absurd and sinful for us to strut around talking about the rights we've got. God made me, gave me breath, feeds me, keeps me alive, appoints the day of my death. He controls everything. What delusion, then, we walk in when we think, I got the right to this, I got the right to choose. No, you don't. Except in a very narrow window. We'll get to that in a second. The second thing, though, that I believe is involved in thy kingdom come is anticipating, both waiting but wishing for the kingdom of God to be completed, finished, established for eternity. Really, that's what I think it's the same thing that is meant when the Bible says we will pray, even so come Lord Jesus. Establish your rule here on earth. When things, God said, have come to the fullness of time, I don't know when that is, and he's not telling us, <laughs> okay? Um, all of the books, and it's amazing that they never stop printing them. People never stop coming up with video series or whatever about when Jesus is going to return. And I've lived long enough to see all these kinds of dates been given, only to pass. Nothing different at all. And nobody learns from it. Nobody ever learns from it. There's a new one going around. I can't even remember the name of it. But the, the latest that probably hit really big was uh, 90, uh, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Returning Again in 1988. And listen, who's it written by? A guy that was a NASA scientist. Okay. He may be able to send stuff up in the air, blow it up. But he doesn't know the Bible. Because if he did, he paid attention to Jesus who said, and I, this is a mystery of the Trinity, he said, the Father hasn't told me. He said, not even the Son knows the hour that he'll return. So he said, don't be speculating about this. But we do. We don't know when Jesus will return. But every Christian is taught throughout all of Scripture, that's what we're looking for. Even if a human being who's a good, back in the days of the monarchies, a good king, or today a good leader, they'll die, they'll perish. They won't be here 
any longer, God said, than the grass of the field. It springs up and it dies, but the word of our God will stand forever. So that's what we look to. There is not a problem with us. The, the psalm said that the righteous mourn when the wicked rule. But it has to be a tempered mourning. Because otherwise, what I'm really doing is putting all my hope in humans. They'll make it better. They don't have that kind of power. Put not your trust in princes. He means they're lofty, good people. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man in whom there is no help. A human can't help me. Only God. That's why he said, don't put your hope in something that will fail you. One more. The prophets warned Israel about Egypt. Not that what Egypt was going to do to them, but Egypt was in its zenith during some of the biblical Old Testament times. It was the greatest kingdom on earth. And it's just off of their southern border. And so they were tempted whenever they were threatened from the north by the Assyrians or threatened from the uh, northeast by the Chaldeans. Let's run and get Pharaoh to help us. And the prophets always painted the picture, said, don't lean on that broken reed, Egypt, on which if a man leans, it will break and tear up his ro rotator cuff. So what it says, it'll rend his shoulder. You lean on that and it gives way. So that's what you're doing if you're looking for hope and help and security and safety from men. Trust in the Lord, he said. Now, so there's two, I think, two senses in which we look for the kingdom. One is we want to see the kingdom of God set up in hearts. We have a part in that. That's what witnessing evangelism is all about. That's what living a Christian life in the world, in front of a watching world, is all about. When persecution ran the Christians out of Jerusalem, it said they went everywhere preaching the gospel. How? Well, it doesn't necessarily mean verbally. Not everyone could preach, but they could always live honestly, righteously. They could do that by the grace of God. I hope this is true. What I read just a couple days ago, some of you may have read it. Never heard of it in my life um, till I read it somewhere in the last few days. Um, most of us remember Steve McQueen. Um, I don't know if anybody saw the little article about him having uh, contact with somebody that either flew him around or I don't remember who it was, but he had contact with someone who never yet had said anything to him about his faith in Jesus. But 
about six months before Steve McQueen was diagnosed with cancer, and then that took him fairly quickly. He asked this guy, and I think it's significant that he didn't know he was sick yet. That wasn't his motive. He asked this guy, he said, there's something about you that is different. This guy told him, I'm a Christian. He ended up taking him with him to his church. And somehow, also, McQueen got in touch with Billy Graham. And Billy Graham, then by then he'd found out he was ill, flew to meet him, prayed with him, and McQueen to other people testified, I asked Jesus into my heart. And he made no effort to kind of quiet it or keep it under, told people, went into a quick and rapid decline and died. That's what I mean by we live long enough that someone finally says, I see in you something I don't have. Then we talk. There, we, there's a certain uh, time that we have to, in a sense, earn the right to, some, to talk to somebody. So live for Jesus every day. God knows how to use that. And get to people's hearts. That's the kingdom of God. Lord, thy kingdom come. And then, of course, we rightly wish that Jesus would return and put an end to wickedness once and for all, the final great judgment, and be done with it. I look forward to that. I think the Christians should. Now, in the end, then, <clears throat> that, that kingdom is what we look for and what we pray for. And in one little thing that I want to throw out here that I don't understand, I, completely, I just don't understand it. But Peter said, we, as believers, we can hasten the day of the Lord. His return. I don't know what that means. Except I think whatever purposes God wants to accomplish on earth among mankind, as we pray and so live, we can help accomplish that list. And when it's checked off, he returns. And, but Peter said, we, looking toward and, and us, hastening, making that day be, be sooner. I don't know what that means. But it's there. So in some way, th we are kind of silent, somewhat um, uninformed business partners, corporation partners with God. We don't know all His plans. But He said, you pray that my kingdom will come. You pray that my cause will be advanced on this earth among humans. And it will speed up the day of my return. So what if I don't know all that means? It means something. And I think this touches on it. Now, the second part, I think, is a little closer maybe to what might be on our minds um, here. Thy will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. Now, I have a question that I want to lay out in a second, but I'll wait. Um, This introduces the whole notion of the sovereignty of God. Thy will. God has a plan. He is not um, in any way. God is not kind of freelancing it. Um, Just reacting. Not sure what He's going to do. God has things meticulously laid out. In His foreknowledge, He knows the future. He knows everything. So He's not juggling things, trying to figure out what to do. This whole business of sovereignty, the sovereignty of God, the rule of God, brings us a couple things. One, since He is the only God, He said, don't have any other gods beside me, and He said, there aren't any other gods beside me, I'm it. If He's it, then He alone is responsible for the basic plan and unfolding of history of what He plans to do. There isn't any other God to do it. If He is our Creator, He has to be able to announce and plan and persist and be successful in what His plan is. Now, in doing that, He he causes, He creates, he preserves. And here's the part when, when it says he preserves, I mean the scripture says by the word of God, the whole world is upheld, upheld by the word of his power. Okay? Then that leads us to the third thing. If he can create and preserve, he governs. He governs minutely and how do we know how um, in a sense he both he he macro manages by upholding everything by the word of his power god also is the by far and away the most micro manager there is How do we know that? Not only does he uphold all the forces of nature, the laws of physics, but a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground that he doesn't know about it. Now that's micromanaging. Now, here's, here's the question. If this is, if God is that big, if he has sovereign power over all how do we reconcile that with what i think i could say is the obvious facts that god's will is frequently and sometimes egregiously utterly thwarted how in the world do we reconcile the idea that God rules. I was watching some news 
um, the other day, which is always a mistake, but you know, you, you, you can't help it. I was watching some news, the, the, and the news was both irritating and disappointing, mostly irritating, okay? And I really think I told, I told Pam in the office, um, I, I don't think this was a coincidence because I do believe in the, the minute sovereignty of God. And I was just thinking, Lord, the wicked always win. They always win. They always win. They always win. And I'm sick of it. I would, I, and I mentioned to you probably last week, you watch too many Clint Eastwood. It takes an hour and a half and it's fixed. I mean, the bad guys have just got it. You love every minute of it. Feels good. Why in the world won't, why won't God ask me for advice and do that? Just be done with it. Well, he's given us some reasons why he doesn't. We'll look at it in a second. But I was just wrought up and I walked across the parking lot. It was the last one to leave the office, which is the way it always is. I stay faithful, fighting sin and the devil. Um, everybody else, you know, Amen. you know, there, and we've got some in the office that, you know, we, we close at four, but, you know, by 3.30, they're getting their backpacks and they're, you know, it's like, you know what it's like. Um, but I was being faithful. And so I walked across the parking lot by myself, my chin dragging in the blacktop. You know what I mean? Just think, Lord, what in the world? People that want to butcher babies and then vacuum them out, they're winning. I hate that. I hate it. And then there is a devil, and he talks to you. Yeah, how come God lets that go? Hmm? Why Why doesn't he do what you think ought to be done? Well, there'd be... Lots of crispy critters around, if I got my way. Um, But it wouldn't be good. So I'm thinking about all this, and I get in my truck, and I start heading home. And one of the, you know, one of the channels, um, uh, satellite radio, bluegrass. I like bluegrass. Well, there was the twangiest, nasaliest... (laughs) Um, song that I think I've ever heard. And I, I, I thought, I, I can't take this. And I was going to, you know, click the steering wheel and change it. But then, you know, I have the, you have the little readout of what the title of the song is on the screen. And it said something about God. And I thought, well, you know, I, I, I can't turn something off that's about God or I'll get in trouble there. So it was... Some song that they kept saying over and over again, God is in control. And driving home, I thought, Lord, this is just a a twangy, bad, not enough bluegrass, too much, you know, um, your dog died and your wife left you, country western stuff. Um, And I did, I thought, but then it just struck me. What have you been fretting about for the last half hour, 45 minutes? 
that's not an accident. I don't believe in those kind of accidents. Somehow, but that's how sovereign God is in the details of our lives. And it spoke to me. By the time I got mile and a half home, you know, praying and, and recognizing God sent that just to remind me, quit freaking out, get a grip. The sun's coming up tomorrow. And by the way, I'm still God. I'm still God. I'm going nowhere. I'm not retiring. I am not resigning. No one's going to throw me off of this throne because I'm God. Well, but it still leaves the question. If God is this powerful and has these wonderful plans for us and hates worse than I can, hates iniquity, what's going on? Why do these things happen? There isn't any answer but going back to Scripture, sticking to the Bible, can God's will be thwarted yes it can now theologically denominations divide up over that there are some who say the will of god cannot be thwarted in any way i do not know how anybody who owns a bible and happens to occasionally read it would come out with that there are whole denominations though that it's everything's predetermined who gets saved is predestined who's not going to get saved is predestined and god can't be thwarted anywhere that is nonsense couple of verses <clears throat> timothy tells us paul wrote he said pray and pray for everybody and so forth he he said pray for people to come to faith because he said this God, it is the will of God that all men be saved. Are they? Of course not. Jesus told us the way, the gate is very wide and the roadway is an eight-lane interstate that goes to hell. And he said, many there are who go that way. But the way is, literally means troubled, tortured, hard, narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. The will of God is clearly thwarted. Jesus would be not, he wouldn't be ignorant, <clears throat> he would be a fraud. A total, hypocritical, play-acting fraud if his will couldn't be thwarted because he, he sat as he descended down onto Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives where you can view the city. It says that Jesus, the Scripture will often say he wept. That's not a good translation. That's the silent tear sliding down your cheek. That's not what it says. It says he bellowed or sobbed 
out loud. He just bawled loudly. What did he say? Ah, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you kill the prophets that I send to you. How often, notice these words, I would, that was my will, how often I would have gathered you like a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. That's thwarting the will of God. What does it introduce us to, and how can we explain that? There's only one. The rest is just mental gymnastics and games. The only one is simply this. God created us as free moral agents. Now, there's two parts. I'll be very quick, hopefully, to us. There's what's called the image of God. He said, I made you in the image and likeness of God. The image of God means it has two aspects to it. One is what is called the natural image. The natural image is everything except for our moral condition. And it's summed up in basically three things. One, we have um, the power to choose. He gave that to us. God chooses, thinks, feels. So do we. And He made us that way. We choose, we think, some, occasionally, we feel. We have emotions. So we have volition, which means to choose. We have reason, and we have emotion. Okay? There's then called the moral image. God wills, thinks, feels. We can will, think, feel. But deeper than that, and what affects those three things, and motivates and turns those three things, is the moral image. God made us morally like Him, holy, clean, righteous, with a spontaneous, spontaneous inclination to be holy, good, righteous. Okay? Now, with the power to choose, giving that to us, we had, and I want to use this word, we never had, nor do we today, the right to choose against God ever. But we do have the power. Do you understand the difference? You people, I have a right to choose. No, you don't. You have the power to, you have the ability to, but you don't have the right to choose and say no to God. You'll give account for that. Because He is a moral governor. And to Him will give account. Now, when Adam and Eve used their ability to choose, to choose, to disbelieve God's command and His reasoning and to believe 
the devil's slander and twisted false promises. What happened? <clears throat> the moral image was lost immediately. They were no longer holy. They were no longer right with God. And a moral blindness quickly, instantly descended on them. A moral blindness that people this close to God who had understood God and talked with God and fellowship with God instantly became morally so blind that they thought, let's cover ourselves up with fig leaves, hook them together, sew them together with little vines and hide in the trees and he won't know we're here. They descended into moral stupidity and insanity like that. What didn't they lose? They lost the moral image, but they didn't lose the natural image. The natural image has been infected, twisted, and warped by their sinful condition, but they still, you and I, retain the natural image of God, which is the ability to choose, the ability to reason, and the ability to feel. Yes, they're impaired. They're not what they once were. But we still retain the right, not the right, the power to choose, think, and feel. Okay? Now, <clears throat> that is why the will of God can be thwarted by individual people or by groups of people. There is a self-restraint on the part of God. Could God do, could God make us do stuff? Yeah. But He sovereignly decides to limit Himself by retaining our ability to choose or reject Him. Now you've got a God who is holy, righteous, hates iniquity, loves us, made us nowhere near to be what we are today. But through our choice, here we are. Actually, the sovereignty of God who, who just quietly says, I'm going to do that. And it's 500 years down the road. Watch me, I'm going to do that. And Jeremiah said, he is always watching over his word to fulfill it. Well, but I thought we could thwart it. We can in individual cases, but we have to realize a bit of a difference in the sovereign will of God. One, there are such, uh, we, we could use these terms, there are decrees and there are desires on the part of God. God has issued some decrees. You and I are going to do nothing about them. He's issued and made it clear His desires. His desires, I can thwart. His decrees, never. Okay, what does that mean? Here's just a couple of decrees. You will be saved 
through the atonement of Jesus Christ or never be saved. That's a decree. He's not going to budge. He's not negotiating it. Don't even talk to him about it. There's one name given under heaven by which men must be saved. The man, Christ Jesus, Peter preached. That's a decree. That's set. Moses told the people of Israel a decree. God said, if you will not keep my commandments, if you will not obey my voice, he said this, you will surely perish. That's a decree. That applies to every human being. Every human in this world who's breathing will obey God, surrender their heart to God, follow Him, or they will be damned for all eternity. They will suffer in hell, eternal punishment. The smoke, it says, of their torment ascends forever. That's a decree. That's why we better get right with God before we die. Here's another decree. It is appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. Those are decrees. They aren't going to budge. We will die. And we will be judged. And there won't be any appeal on the judgment. He will open the books and judge us out of those things. Those are all decrees. We could multiply those a hundred times. Those are not thwartable. That will happen. But individually, I can thwart God's will for me, His desire for me is to be saved. I can thwart that. Because he's granted to me that choice. We know that not only individual, but corporately, the majority of all humanity will choose no. That's why Jesus said, and this, I don't say this with glee at all. The sad fact, I couldn't give you a percentage. <clears throat> I've sat in stadiums with 60, 70,000 people. Just kind of looked around and thought, you know, God knows every last one of these people. He knows their heart. He knows their fears. He, knows what, he just knows every little detail. He knows the hairs of their head. I wonder how many of these people are going to be lost. I wonder how many thorough Christians there are in this whole crowd who will keep walking with God and land safe on heaven's shore. How many of these people will stalk their way off into a godless eternity, banished from God forever? Those are decrees. That can't be changed. But God's desire that I not go there but rather that I come to Him and love Him and follow Him and make it to heaven. That's His desire. But personally, I can thwart that. I can determine, no, I'm not going to do it. 
And whole nations can do that. The Israelites did it. There were a few. Elijah groaned before God and he said, Man, God, there's no hope. I'm the last prophet there is. They're all gone. There isn't anybody. He says, I'm the only one that serves God. You remember the answer that God gave to Elijah. He said, Elijah, now I want you to think about this and then I got to quit. I still have 7,000 that worship me. Now, here's what I want to say to you. That's meant to encourage him. It's meant to correct him. But it's also, in, to our way of thinking, that is not even lunch money. There were probably two at least to three million inhabitants in Israel. And the encouragement that God gives, there's still 7,000. The stock price going to help in a situation like that? We, we sold 7,000 units to tw- out of 12 or out of 2 million. It, if you look at it from a human way, that's failure. God doesn't look at things like that. And he knew the exact number of the people that he had. But this is why then <clears throat> righteousness seems to be defeated often. The wicked seem to triumph. And it's grievous to those of us that care about God and His will and His kingdom. We are therefore, have to remember, we are in enemy territory. Our whole lives in this world, once we become Christians, we are behind enemy lines in enemy territory. We live our whole lives as Christians in an alien place. That's why Paul said, Our citizenship is not here. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's why we strive to go there. The truth of the matter is, I I love our country. I love our state. Um, I'm proud to be able to say I'm a Wyomingite and uh, how great it is for us to be able to say I'm an American. But really, we have to get our eyes off of that to a certain degree and say, no, my citizenship is not here. My citizenship is in another land, in another world, in another place. And I've got to make sure that I make that place my home. So, thy will be done primarily means me. And God, I wish I had more time, but just remember this too. Um, I, I have it here, but I just had to quit. Can I thwart God's will? Yeah, his desires. What does God do? Well, about 90, maybe 95% of his daily work is thwarting, he said, the plans of the heathen. We think, oh man, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? They're going to do this, they're going to do Listen. How many times did people say, even in Scripture, in history, wherever, 
I'm going to do this. And God, you know, he doesn't even raise an eyebrow. He's kind of drumming his fingers. Says, nah, I don't think so. He does that all the time. He nullifies the counsel of the wicked, Scripture says. So, ah, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. This is going to happen. Only if God lets it. Otherwise, he just, no. So we're not at the mercy of people. We have God. He's still God. I know it's one minute past. I want to sing a hymn that has always been a help to me, and I hope it is to you. And we'll just sing three verses of it. But I think most of us would have heard it at some point. Be still, my soul. That's a great hymn. I want you to pay very close attention to the words. Even if you don't know the tune, then but pay attention to the words. Let's stand. <clears throat> and Jessica, or whoever, yes, are up here. <laughs> and Carmen will lead us. <clears throat> 